Welcome to the Startup Operator Podcast. I'm Roshan Karyappa. One of the things that I am really optimistic about is that we have young entrepreneurs solving for conventional industries like insurance with first principles thinking. My guest today is Mayank Kale, who is the co-founder and CEO of Loop Health, that is trying to proactively improve employee wellness and drive adoption in group health insurance. I spoke to Mayank about everything that's happening in the sector, how he is partnering with incumbents in the ecosystem and is also optimizing for NPS and customer experience. This was a wonderful conversation with a passionate young entrepreneur and it made me feel very optimistic for India and I'm sure it will have the same effect on you as well. So without further ado, let's get into this episode of the Startup Operator Podcast with Mayank Kale of Loop Health. Hey Mayank, welcome to the Startup Operator Podcast. Thank you so much for making the time. Hey Roshan, uh, nice to be here. Yeah. So Mayank, lots to talk about. You know, to begin things, I'd love for you to talk about everything that's happening in insurance in India. It seems like an industry that was in a slumber for a long time, but it has suddenly woken up over the last five, 10 years with everything that's happening, right? InsurTech and so on. What do you see happening? How are things shifting? Yeah, it's a really exciting time to be in insurance, obviously. Maybe I can specifically talk about health insurance because that's what I'm most familiar with. I think because of just COVID over the last two years, we've seen an enormous growth in both the retail and the group insurance space. Retail has grown. The growth rate is kind of 3x in the last year. And so that's definitely growing really rapidly as people wake up to the fact that there's a high probability they might end up in the hospital and having to pay upwards of four, five lakh rupees uh, for the hospitalization. And in addition to that, I think we're also seeing group insurance grow very quickly. You know, before the pandemic, it was probably growing in the double digits because, you know, companies wanted to be competitive with other companies coming in. But because of the legal mandate last year from the, from the government, I think we've seen a much faster growth rate over the last year and year and a half. Apart from the market specifically, I think we're also seeing regulators be very friendly with new entrants. I think we've had two insurtechs get digital licenses. So and digit get insurance licenses in the last couple of years. I think that has opened up a lot of uh, competition in the space and a lot of movement. And uh, we've also seen Paytm, Navi, buy a traditional insurer. So uh, pretty, pretty exciting time. Yeah, for sure. As you mentioned, I think IRDA also has been extremely proactive on some of these fronts, right? And uh, yeah, uh, for sure. But you don't have a conventional insurance background, right? And in many ways, I feel that's perfect because you get to reimagine what ideal customer experience could be like without the baggage of, uh, you know, what works, what doesn't, but it can also be difficult in other ways, right? So what is it like building in this insurance space uh, through first principles? Yeah, you're right. I think my background is in computer science. I'm, I'm, a, I'm studying computer science and engineer at heart. I think what we're building is we don't think about what we're building as building an insurance. I think what we're really trying to do is fundamentally reimagine healthcare and what it should look like because insurance is the primary way urban Indians pay for their health. That is the first place for us to begin with. But the way we start the company, I mean, I, I was in the US, I was studying computer science, uh, like I mentioned, and my dad in Pune, he had a heart attack and I had to take about a year off of school to kind of be here and take care of him. And I saw essentially the pure lack of primary care that we have in, in this country and saw that you know he was basically diagnosed with heart disease and got prescribed a really invasive heart surgery that we later found out he didn't need. 
And when I kind of dug into the financial incentives that drive this kind of behavior in the health system, what you realize is because patient might have insurance, doctors are free to prescribe essentially as many kind of surgeries as they want. And uh, there are obviously revenue targets attached and so on and so forth. And so fundamentally, I think I started off thinking about, you know, how do you bring incentive alignment into healthcare? And that's kind of the first place for us to start. And insurance ended up being the fastest growing, most predictable payment mechanism in healthcare. And, and that's why we're kind of attacking it first. Right. And I think most people would pay for insurance through their formal, you know, their employee benefits or something of that sort. But if you look at it, I mean, the adoption is not that great, right? I mean, I myself have insurance uh, from my employer, but I also have topped it a couple of times. And that seems to be their common behavior, at least, right? So what do you see as a specific problem in terms of adopting group health insurance? At least before COVID, there really wasn't a dying need for companies to go out and purchase group insurance. And so it was definitely a case of the market just being too small. I think COVID has definitely changed that and the legal mandate has changed that as well. But one of the challenges that maybe a lot of the smaller companies face is not knowing where to begin and are not understanding what the terms are and not kind of being sure how it's going to be helpful for their employees. And so, you know, they, they see maybe the mandate, they see buzz around in HR circles and so on and so forth. And then they, they say, you know, I want to go purchase a plan, but you can imagine if you're a founder of let's say an eight-person company, you already are staffed for time and then you're going and trying to find the right insurance for your team at a price you can afford. It just ends up being too much. And so most folks just end up delaying their decision for months. And that we've seen as a big kind of point of friction in the adoption yard on the group side at least. Right. So, you know, you start off with this very ambitious aim of aligning incentives within the healthcare space, right? And so how do you go from idea to product to company? What were the first few steps that you took and what has that journey been like over the last couple of years or so? Yeah, I think, well, I just graduated a few years ago, but while I was still in college, thought of working in the digital health record space, obviously thinking about data being super important in terms of trying to obviously make healthcare outcomes better and diagnosis better and so on and so forth. So build some products there and quickly iterated along the way. The importance for me is to try to understand what, where to start. And you know, with this ambitious thing of saying, you know, how do you rewrite healthcare? The idea was to not necessarily disrupt. I think there's a common term of kind of, you know, we want to disrupt insurance or disrupt healthcare. There's are such core utilities that people seek safety not novelty. Here was, you know, you want to bring something that folks are familiar with, like group insurance, and you start to innovate where you can. So, you know, the first thing we did when we realized that, you know, the biggest thing that's lacking in the insurance space is one, a better experience around buying and claims. Two, I think most HRs have wanted to provide much more useful health benefits. And so when we kind of realized that and we said, look, we can build this product ourselves where we can bundle your group insurance with free unlimited primary healthcare, where you can actually make the benefit more useful and you can catch people in the beginning of their care journey and not at the end of it, uh, like traditional insurance does. And kind of recognizing that insight and saying, look, if we build an amazing product, we can go out and get a couple of customers and that could be an amazing wedge to then start building this kind of new health system that, that we think about. Right. And also being a computer science guy, I mean, you would have thought of, you know, all the tech interventions possible in this entire journey, right? In the customer lifecycle itself. So could you talk us through, you know, what that is like? 
Yeah, well, I think there's three key parts of the life cycle. I think there's purchase, there's use of insurance, and then there's use of healthcare. I think on the purchase side, we've made it super simple by integrating very closely with some of our insurance partners where you can customize your group policy, you get pricing that's really transparent, and you can just really easily understand the implications of some of the choices you're making in purchasing the group policy. In terms of the usage experience, I mean, I would say this is you know, day one, early days uh, for us and the whole industry, trying to think about how to make claims better. I think we've built a lot of rails for people to come and claim through Loop, where we've made it easy for folks to you know, understand what to put together. We've made it easy for our insurance partners to take our claims and say, you know, if they're coming from Loop, they're probably, they're probably good because we've, we've run them through a bunch of checks, both automated and manual as well. So on the claim side, you know, making the front end easy, the skin of the experience, and then on the back end, making sure that we're still trusted on the claims delivery. I think that's, that's the second piece. And then the third, I think, most important piece is the healthcare because that's what, again, most people end up using. Because of COVID, I think we've, we've seen massive adoption in just telemedicine and trying to talk to doctors on the phone. And so we've actually invested a lot in building tools that enable our full-time doctors to deliver instant, really great care. So, you know, when you sign up on Loop, you get assigned a medical advisor that you can text, call anytime you want. Uh, typically, the care team texts you back within 50 seconds. And we make it possible through, uh, through a lot of technology. And, you know, we're also able to then collect really great information on what kind of diseases you're going through and uh, how do we get you the best outcome possible. Right. So with this value proposition, who are the first few customers that you went to? And then, you know, what have you learned about the whole acquisition process itself over the last uh, few years that uh, you've, you've been selling this? Yeah, I think primarily we went to both customers that have never bought insurance before and, you know, and HRs and companies that have been buying for a few years but are looking for a better experience. What we learned is, you know, both of these markets are absolutely massive and products just aren't that much different. And so we went after both of these kinds of companies, obviously starting out with people we knew and then they started telling their friends about it. And I think word of mouth started to grow for us uh, very quickly. I think what we've learned primarily about acquisition is buying insurance and buying healthcare are both about trust, right? You need to be able to trust the person and the brand and the product before you make a purchase decision. And so we do spend a lot of time thinking about how can we be the most trustworthy brand in healthcare and insurance? How can we show up to companies credibly, maybe advise them on their insurance and help them purchase the best plan possible. Right. So one thing that's happened with a lot of new age companies that have come into insurance is that there's a greater focus on customer experience. And it's not just about, you know, stocking someone with a policy, but it's also ensuring that the post-purchase experience is also like seamless, right? And, and those things. But do you see a situation where there will be a lot more people like Loop Health itself come into the space? And if that is the case, you know, what would your differentiator be? I mean, would you, uh, at, at some point, would you become a carrier yourself? I mean, would you like apply for a license or something like that? Yeah, I think there's two parts to the question. And I think the first one being more players coming into the space. I think this is such a massive market that, you know, we almost wish that more people were in it so that you expand it and just make it much bigger for everyone. Penetration is only about 15% of health insurance. And so I think absolutely, you know, more players coming in the better. 
I think the way the industry is shaken out, both on the carrier side and the broker side, is there's a lot of regional oligopolies that have shown up. And I think that's typical of markets where you require a lot of trust to be built in, in the selling and acquisition process. So it's, it's not necessarily this winner-take-all type of situation that um, a lot of other maybe purely tech markets face. So I think, you know, what we look at very closely is the customer. We want to continue differentiating ourselves by investing both in the customer experience and providing more value, both on the healthcare and the insurance side and, and as much as we can. So I think that, that probably answers your question. Hello, everyone. You can get back to your regular programming in less than a minute. An interesting newsletter that I came across is The Gist. The Gist basically curates and explains the most important business and startup news from India in a very fun way. Their articles are very comprehensive. They cover all the important points, but aren't so long that it becomes boring to read. I believe it's a great way for young professionals or students to keep in touch with the ever-evolving and changing landscape of India's business and startup ecosystem. So head over to the gist, that's gyst.com and let me know what you think. The link is in the show notes. Right. I love what you mentioned earlier, which is that it's not about disruption. Disruption can be seen as a novelty, but it's about building trust and so on. And um, Insurance is a space where you have so many incumbents, right? It's such a complex ecosystem, whether it's the carriers, the brokers, the TPS and whatnot, right? How are you partnering with these various entities in the ecosystem? And what is that conversation like, right? I mean, uh, a guy in, the, in his 20s going up to these guys in suits and asking them to partner with this new type of insurance experience. Mm -hmm. It's honestly been quite an interesting experience, uh, to say the very least. I think what we realized early on is in any partnership, obviously, you need to produce more value together than you would have by not partnering. And so what we focused on in the very early days is what can we provide to these insurers that they don't have today uh, so that they may kind of start supporting us and, and so on and so forth. Um, so I think, you know, what, what we did early on was uh, just go to a lot of these incumbent insurers and say, look, we are going to give you access to a new type of market that you haven't gone after. And we are going to give away a lot of healthcare value as well, where we have capabilities that we've built and, and maybe you haven't built there. And that was a really exciting value proposition for a lot of insurers. And we found a few of them very willing to be patient with us and say, look, let us build things with you. We'll be patient for six months, one year, two years to see the business rolling in because we do recognize that technology and kind of fast growing spaces where uh, the exposure needs to happen. And so we actually found you know, a couple of these incumbent insurers to be absolutely willing to help us and uh, start kind of building a better and better value proposition with us. Right. Yeah, that's also been my experience, actually, when I talk to insurance leaders and so on, right? They have been entirely open to change, given that, you know, there's been so much of disruption in whether it's fintech or insurtech that's happened over the last 10 years. We've spoken a fair bit about customer experience, right? Now, for a long time, I think NPS is a four-letter word in insurance, at least specifically. But you're trying to drive this better customer experience, and that goes well beyond having a proper UX on your screens and whatnot, right? I mean, it, it requires a lot more than that. So how are you optimizing for better in, NPS in loop? Yeah, I think, like I said, I think both insurance and healthcare are about trust. And there's nothing more trustworthy than a human. And what we've seen is, is typically kind of these failed attempts at completely automating or completely digitizing things, where you don't want to talk to a chatbot if you're sick. You don't want to rely on an AI to make sure that your claim is processed well. And so the way we think about NPS is how do we combine humans and 
really great technology to be able to deliver an amazing experience. And so the two places where people find the most friction in insurance is one, understanding their insurance policy and two, kind of claiming it, right? And on both ends, I think what we've done is through a mix of technology and humans made it really easy for people to get the job done, right? So how do you understand your insurance policy? Well, you can read it on our app that is explained in really simple terms, or you can quickly text someone on the team and we'll jump on the chat and quickly kind of explain it to you um, using videos and images and, 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 and so on and so forth. So that's how we've kind of solved that problem. And, and then on the claim side as well, I think, again, making it really simple to understand what the claims process is, how much can you actually claim? And then both from a digital journey and a claims advisor on our end, helping you to drive that through completion so that you leave the hospital in no time or you get your reimbursement done very quickly. And so our approach here is a bit different than maybe some of the other players that you may speak with. Um, we believe that humans are at the center of building trust and, and we want to make sure that we complement them with the right technology. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true, right? I mean, I think for any of the operational administrative tasks, you know, technology can still automate all of those away. But when it comes to care and consulting and those kind of things, I think, um, you know, we would love to talk to humans, right? For sure. You know, we're also seeing a lot of regulatory tailwinds, right? The the government and the regulators have been extremely proactive. I think even the prime minister mentioned recently in his speech about the 40 crore, the missing middle, he called it, right? I mean, who have to access insurance. So we're, we're seeing a bunch of things, FDI being expanded, the Jana Aragya Yojana, right? PMJ, the health stack, which is going to come up and stuff. So it seems like a lot of things are happening, right? Would love to get your comments on, you know, how this is going to impact all of us in the in the years to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think my opinion on this is regulation is great. I think, again, this is the industry where disruption is not the end-all be-all. I think safety, security, making sure that things work are really important. And so we're, we're kind of big fans of the regulators and regulation at large. Um, I think what the regulators have, started doing right though in the last couple of years is balancing this idea of regulation and uh, downside protection with liberalization where you where you start allow, right and innovation where you start allowing new players to quickly iterate and so you see things like the IRDA sandbox where you can file products and quickly start to iterate you see again FDI being liberalized both in the broking space and in uh, kind of filing for carriers we're going to see a lot of lot of movement and growth in, in those areas as well. And I think the National Health Stack is a, another really ambitious project. I think that the government's taken on. I will say that it is a slightly different than UPI. I think we see a lot of people compare it to UPI, but payments and finance is, like you said, a, an administrative task that can be automated away. Healthcare is not. I think being able to use the National Health Stack, you need buy-in from hospitals, doctors, insurance companies. And, and all of that. So I think, I think the conceptualization of what it could look like is brilliant. I think we're going to need to make it really easy for everyone in the industry to come in and say, look, I want to do this. Here's why. Here, here are my incentives to participate in the national health stack um, so that we can kind of make it happen. And so, yeah, I mean, like I said, I think the regulators, I think are doing a pretty great job at saying, you know, it's our responsibility to protect the consumer and we want to allow newer companies to come in and, and build in the space. Right. 
So I find it super inspiring that someone without an insurance background, someone as young as yourself is reimagining this entire experience, which is such a fundamental utility, right? It's pretty amazing. You know, for someone else who wants to be another Mayank and come and build an insurance, right? So what are some nuances of operating in this space? You know, what should they know about this space uh, that could help them build? Yeah, I think maybe just carry over from our last point of discussion. I think regulation, again, highly regulated industry. You want to clearly understand what's possible and what's not possible in the regulatory frameworks. I think that would be a great starting point. And I think the second and probably most important thing is, again, trying to first principles your way into building an amazing product. I think if you really think about what insurance is at its core, it's just pooling risk and then pricing it. It's just a very socialist almost system in the kind of capitalist markets. And so I think it's very hard to come in and just say, you know, I'm going to automate these things. I'm going to change these things. things. Yeah, I'm going to move fast and break things, disrupt them. I think that doesn't work in the space. I think really understanding the, the fundamentals of insurance and what it means, and then going out and saying, you know, I'm going to go and build something for the consumer. I think I think that's important. And the, the last thing I'll say also is it's not this consumer product that people have an unlimited need for. I think the need for insurance asymptotes for every family and, or every individual. And so recognizing that you're not building this consumer full product, you're really building something that's a safety net for most people. Mm -hmm. And so when you're building something like that, it means your early adopters are most likely not going to be young people. And your consumers that, that do end up thinking about insurance are not thinking about it for more than once or twice a year. So then how do you start get, getting creative with your distribution channels? where you can then combine your product with how you distribute it and how you get in front of people. I think that ends up becoming a really important point for most kind of founders to start in the space. Right. Yeah. I mean, nobody really wakes up thinking in the morning that, you know, they need to get some critical healthcare <laughs> insurance. And while they say, you know, insurance, you can't solicit for insurance, but insurance is, is never bought. It's sold, right? I mean, you have to, it is, it is a push product product as you, as you said. So, you know, you're two years into your journey. You've just raised a series A. What are some high level challenges that you are solving as a founder right now? How do you see the journey ahead over the next two to five to 10 years? I think the two biggest challenges that I am personally solving most of my time is hiring and kind of culture. So, uh, I mean, everyone has talked about this, I'm sure. Hiring right now is quite a challenge and it is madness. That's absolutely right. And I think there's so much inflation around for, for both talent and, and costs and everything. So I think, you know, trying to assemble and get the highest quality team and get kind of almost a talent density at loop where we're then able to look at one another and say, you know, these are the absolute best people possible that can be building such an ambitious thing, which is kind of trying to rewrite healthcare rebuild the health system from scratch. That's one of the biggest challenges that I'm kind of trying to solve today. And the second one is our team has grown from 10 folks last year to now about 120. How do you get everyone rowing in the same direction? I think that is obviously one of the biggest challenges that, that most founders will end up solving. Right. Yeah. Those are challenges I think you'll be solving for many years to come. Speaking of, I mean, how is the Pune tech ecosystem evolving? Like for us in Bangalore, it's not so visible, right? But but how is the tech ecosystem evolving in Pune? Yeah, I think I would say fast, but not as fast as I'd like. Obviously, I think there's a lot of great technical talent here. And having seen some early successes in maybe the IT services domain for a lot of companies in Pune, we're seeing a lot of talent exit. 
both on the business and the tech side to then say you know I want to work at early stage companies and so i think we're you know we're pretty happy being being in pune and saying you know we'll, we'll take all of, all of the talent that wants to come in and experience what it's like to to be at a startup right so mayank this has been a fascinating chat thank you again for being on the podcast before we let you go i'd love to get some book and podcast recommendations from you what are your go to books and podcasts sure some go to books uh, obviously there's a one of our investors has written a book called unhealthcare uh, by him and Himantaneja, General Catalyst. I think anyone trying to build in the healthcare or health insurance space, this is a must-read for them. And so that you know, this is, uh, this is a book I see myself referring to a lot. I think Peter Thiel, kind of zero to one, uh, still my favorite kind of business strategy books of of all time. I think uh, big big fan of that. From a podcast perspective, honestly, I mean, thanks for having me here. I'm not, I don't listen to too many podcasts. I have heard yours, and it's uh, I think fascinating conversations with with founders. So um, definitely have been. kind of flipping through a lot of the episodes there so love love the work you're doing uh, the other podcast i just listen to for fun is the all in podcast i'm sure you right cool. uh, yeah. been listening to that love the banter and love the honesty on speak um, they they bring to the conversation so yeah yeah for sure all right mayank on that note we'll end this podcast thank you so much again for being on the startup operator and look forward to speaking with you shortly thanks roshan thanks for having me Thank you so much for listening. If you liked this episode, then don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite platform and share this episode with all of your fellow startup operators. Also follow the startup operator on LinkedIn and Twitter for more updates. Stay safe, take care and see you soon on a brand new episode of the Startup Operator.